from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey. Uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for March 29th, 2023. Tomorrow is opening day for baseball. And as much as I am excited about the Masters, as much as I am excited about the NBA playoffs, as much as I am excited about a whole lot of things, um, there's nothing like opening day, even for the opposition, in this case the Mets. There's nothing like opening day that this kind of makes you think that all will be well um, with the world and with spring. So for that, uh, Jordan Brickman comes back with us um, here on Teeing Up. Hello, Jordan. Good morning. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you have been, and we'll start with the, start with the brand new rules. You've been a proponent of these for a long time. You've been wanting these for a long, long time. And you are so happy that they are finally here in the majors. Which of these rules do you think will have the bigger impact and which would you like to see tweaked further? Well, I, th- I think in the beginning, um, the, the pitch clock will have the biggest impact in terms of the pitchers having to adjust to the timing. Um, I think eventually they will get used to it. And then long term, the bigger impact is the lack of shift. Because the lack of shift is a tangible, we're going to see tangible results of like, oh, there would have been a fielder there and now there isn't. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the long term, the biggest long term impact of the short term impact is the pitchers having to adjust to the, the pitch clock. As far as tweaks, um, the, to me, the pitch clock, and I, I, I want the, to your point, which you mentioned earlier, why I'm excited about this, is I want the games to be shorter because they can really drag, especially as someone who has season tickets and is at a lot of these games on weeknights that start at 7 and end at 10.30 sometimes. Uh, that's just, just too long um, for, for some of these games to go. So I'm excited for them to be shorter, maybe a little bit more action. Um, but the pitch clock should be I kind of think of it as the, the free throw clock in basketball. It should be the exact length where you never notice it, unless someone's being egregious. You know, the only time we notice the free throw pitch clock is when Giannis is taking forever um, during during the playoffs, and the the fans are are counting to ten. The pitch clock should be, you know, twice a year someone gets caught from it because they're being egregious. It should be the exact length where we never notice it. I don't think that it's at the right length at the moment. Um, whether it's another two seconds they need to add or something to that effect, or there's rules that allow for teams at certain times to take more time, whatever it is, I think that will likely be continue to be tweaked. But spring training games are now about a half hour shorter. We'll see how that translates to the regular season. I'm sure they will be notably short, shorter um, in the regular season as well. I know the Mets played a game that was two hours and eight minutes in spring training, which happened in the past, but usually when Mark Burley was pitching for the, for the White Sox or someone <laughs> going super fast in the mound. So um, I like it. Let's let's kind of see how it happens. I was I was a little against the shift uh, limitation when it first happened, but um, it will lead to more action. It will lead to more offense, which obviously is exciting. And I remember Lindor, I believe last year or the year before, talked about how he hates the shift because it benefits the defenders who are not as they don't they don't have as much range. So if you're a great defender in your small little pocket on the field, the shift kind of can hide you there, and it's, and it won't expose you for having to show off your range as much because there'll be another defender a couple feet to to your left or to your right. So this will actually benefit 
teams that have better defenders even more so. So um, in that respect, I like that. Maybe more web gems, things of that nature. We'll really see a lot more defensive uh, acumen showed in the field this year. So those are some things I'm looking forward to for, for the new rules. And I think part of it also is, you know, look at Otani Trout in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I, I hate to bring that event up, but, like, part of that was the stare downs. And now you're going to eliminate that with the clock? So that's also somewhere where I think come playoff time, I'm not quite sure, ninth inning, not quite sure how this will play out. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they add, you know, come playoff time, they add five seconds to the clock or something. You're right, like, that's one of the things that baseball has is the drama, right? The, how it builds over time and how each pitch in these big moments is so so intense. Um, there still is a delay for what it's worth. It's just maybe a little shorter than it normally would be. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they tweak it come playoff time or even midseason, like if, if they're seeing. You know, we, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see batters being called out or walking you know, or things of that nature because of the pitch clock. I know there was a spring training game that ended yeah. because because of that. So, you know, that's spring training. It doesn't matter that much. But regular season, I have, a, you know, bases loaded, two strikes, two outs, one run game, and it ends because, the, you know, whatever, the batter took too long. That's going to be really hard to swallow should that happen. So we'll see how, how the, the league adjusts. But uh, I like the thought process nonetheless. Jordan is a Mets fan. That's why he's on this podcast talking about his his. Uh, beloved Mets from a 40,000 foot view besides the new video board in center field um, that's an inside joke for those who don't know the uh, city field will have a brand new uh, video board that can be seen from space um, besides that this season is successful if if they can find uh, another bat either in the minors or uh, they trade for one, and if the bullpen is strong. To, to me, to, to, to me, to me, last year, um, you know, the offense statistically was good, but it really faded at the end of the season, and they lacked significant thump come postseason time. Now, look, they were tired. It seemed like they were tired. They were so sharp for ninety percent of the year, and just you know, they had a cold spell at the worst time, right? You can kind of look at it that way. Um, but they have, I do not like who they're going to be playing at, at the DH spot against lefties. Um, you know, they're relying a lot on Vogelbach, who was very, came, came in really hot, and he wasn't good towards the end of the year. Um, you know, he wasn't here for that long, so we'll see how he, how he plays this year. Um, the outfield depth is really weak. Um, they have Nimbo out there, who has been injury prone throughout his career. They got Marte out there, who has, is 34 now and has also been somewhat injury prone. An injury to one of those guys and is going to really tax their depth in the outfield. So, um, and especially with Marte, he was so important to the team down the stretch with his bat as a righty presence, steals bases, which I know we'll talk about more today. Um, you, you know, these are the elements. They were really healthy last year for the most part. So, will they be as durable this year? And will they be able to find a little bit more offense? Because on paper, it looks pretty good in some, on some nights, but. Um, will they be able to sustain against lefties and will they be able to find another bat or two uh, and be a little more consistent with that offense and with a little more thump because I think that they, they're missing some power in that, that lineup. That's the thing as I was putting this uh, together is on paper, 
your upside is really good. I don't know what your floor is, but if you go through a batting slump or have some injuries or have some rotational issues, which, which we'll get to in a second, there's there could be some uh, depth issues there. Yeah, they're, they're good enough to struggle on either side of the ball and still win games. They're good enough. The offense can stutter for two, three weeks, and they can still win those games with their rotation. Their rotation can struggle, and they can still win games offensively for stretches. So that's what you want to see, right, because there will be stretches where both sides of the ball do struggle. Um, so, so you want to make sure that they're good enough on, on both sides there to sustain, to, to, to avoid long losing streaks and to avoid losing series or multiple series in a row. I think they are good enough there, but... The NL East is stacked, so they gotta be they gotta be ready because the other teams are gonna be putting up ninety plus wins almost definitely. Diaz aside, you know we we hinted at, at this at this uh, bullpen. I you know uh, David Robertson, former Yankee, great closer in my mind. He had to succeed the greatest of all time, Mariano Rivera. You will see more blown saves with with David Robertson versus. Diaz or, you know, Rivera. That's just the way those two are in, in, in separating themselves. But from Robertson on down, are you happy with the way the bullpen shaping up for the Mets? Am I happy? I feel like you can always use another bullpen arm, no matter how good the bullpen is, even with Diaz. There's always room for one more. Um, I think the bullpen is still average to slightly above average, which is going to be enough to get them to the all-star break, or to the, to the trade deadline, I should say, which you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I agree Robertson is amongst one of the or he was one of the most, the best, best set of men in baseball. He literally saved games in the World Series last year successfully. That's about as good as it gets from a, from a backup closer, closer role. So he's old, right? You know, these guys, believers are inconsistent. These guys can fall off a cliff at any moment, but I feel pretty good that he'll be, you know, maybe 75% of Diaz for the first half of the year. Now, is 75% of Diaz good enough to win a World Series? We'll see. I'd like, I'm expecting them to have to make a move for a reliever come deadline time. Now, obviously, there's, what, a 10% chance that Diaz could return in September or October. By deadline time, they should have a sense if that's possible. I'm expecting him to be out for the year. Um, but, the, you know, Brooks Rowley, I know he got a little injured in, in spring training. I always get scared when guys get hurt in spring training because I mean, they don't build up as fast, and they're you know trying to play catch up. It's less of a concern for a reliever than a starter, but he did have a hamstring strain. Obviously, it's not his elbow or his arm, which is which is a good sign. I like Drew Smith. Adovino was great last year, but on a big workload, that always scares me coming back. You know, usually big workload relievers struggle the next year. He's a veteran. He's had up and down seasons before. We'll see. Um, there's a lot of questions. I think it's good enough to be at least average or above average. They're definitely going to blow more games than last year. Uh, those are going to be frustrating games. We're all going to blame Miss Diaz when that happens. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, they're still going to be leading I think, when it comes to the ninth inning. So hopefully they're good enough to, to have a team that can, can survive a couple of those blown saves, and hopefully their offense can carry them to multiple run leads where the Robertson has a little wiggle room there. But no, I'm expecting some more blown saves. I'm expecting the bullpen to be average to slightly above average while the rest of the team – should be well above average, so so it's going to be a weak point for sure. Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing It Up. You know what Scherzer is. Uh, Verlander, even at his age, if he can be anything closer to Justin Verlander, that's fine. And now you go to three, four, five, Singer, Carrasco, Peterson. 
where where's your head at on that? Because there is a fall off. <clears throat> uh, sorry, there is a fall off between Scherzer and Verlander and everybody else. Yeah, I mean, you know, Verlander. Just to talk about him for a second. He's been quite durable for his career. Obviously, a Tommy John surgery and it's the full year. And he wants Ty Young after coming off Tommy John, which is tremendous at age. Well, he's 39, 40 years old when he won that. Um, just him pitching, even if he is putting up a mid-three ERA, which would be considered a bad year for him, he's more valuable than DeGrom last year because DeGrom doesn't pitch 30 games a year. So just, just having him out there for the season will be a boost for the, for the rotation. The rotation should already be better, at least at the, at the front end, because of that. So really excited to see see how – and Scherzer missed a lot of time last year too, so we'll see if – you know, that's just like, – these guys are old. Maybe this is just kind of the reality of pitchers. You know, at that, that, that age, they're going to miss time, but um, hopefully they can they can stay healthy as they traditionally have been throughout their careers. Outside of that, um, I think the rotation is, is quality. You're getting – you can expect a quality start, six innings, three runs out of most of those guys – most nights. Senga is a total total toss-up. You know, feel like a lot of these guys that, that come from Japan, you know pretty quickly if they're good or not. You know, we might look up in a month and be like, oh, this guy's actually nasty, or man, he has not adjusted well to the bigger ball, to the mound, to the talent of the game, whatever it might be, to this, this travel schedule, except the workload. Pitch clock. There's a lot of factors. Pitch clock, sure, yeah. You know, he, that's something he talks about having to adjust to um, himself. So, there's a lot of factors for him. His stuff has looked quite good. I watched the pitching injury breakdown uh, of his spin rate and how much his ball breaks, things of that nature. And his stuff seems to play up pretty well on a small sample size at strength training, which is a, a low level in, in all, all respect. So I'm excited for him. Um, hopefully he can also be healthy. Um, obviously, it goes without saying, but he's had some durability issues in Japan. So I, I, I'm excited to watch him pitch every, every fifth day because I think he's got, he's got some good upside there. Past him... Peterson is really quality. Last year, he, he really took a step forward. Um, so Carrasco, I'm not sold on him yet. He hasn't really consistently put it together. Uh, last year, he, his numbers were really good against bad teams and really bad against good teams, uh, which is a concern, obviously. Uh, if you can <laughs> figure out a way to stack him against the bad teams, that'd be great. But, and there are some bad teams in the NL that he'll, he'll face, but um, that's, that's a concern. He's getting older. He hasn't really put it together for a long stretch with the Mets. So, so We'll see. Even when he's, you know, he has had some some full blowups, but he usually can give you some some good innings out there against against some of the teams in the league at least. And they still got McGill in the minors, um, who I think is a quality starter. They'll keep him stretched out. I'm sure they'll need him. And they got Quintana, who also would fall into that kind of David Peterson average inning eater kind of guy that can he won't hurt you out there. Uh, come 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 July, he should be back. So they have some depth. They have room to afford maybe one more injury, but past that, uh, things will get a little shaky. Hopefully they can stay afloat as, uh, as Quintana gets back second half of the year and um, as Senga kind of learns, learns the, the American game. As you look in this Mets lineup, um, are you okay with with where they are, or, 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 or would you like to see some things flipped? I'm disappointed that one of the young guys didn't make the team. Uh, and the young guys would be Beatty, Vientos and Alvarez. I didn't really expect Alvarez to make the team. Um, they seem to really want him to develop as a, as a catcher. They have two major league catchers on the roster. If he did stay on the roster, I would have liked to see him get the starting DH job against lefties. Because, but that's just not playing enough to warrant him being on the roster. So, it makes sense that he went down. Vientos and Beatty both matched really well. I would love to see 
you know, Escobar struggled a lot last year, uh, and Canna struggled a lot last year when he was an everyday player. So I would like to see Beatty, who can play third base and left field, being kind of like a, a three-way platoon with those guys, matchup dependent. Beatty's a lefty, Canna's a righty, Escobar's a switch hitter. They could really kind of figure out what makes the most sense there and rotate all of them based off who's hot, who's playing well, based off matchup. So I would have liked to see that. I think Beatty will be up pretty quickly. Um, Vientos also could have slid in uh, as platoon at third base and as a right-handed DH. He struggled in the majors last year, but has looked really good in spring training. Highly tighter prospect. I would have liked to see some more upside in the lineup there. Everything else is essentially a known commodity. The right-handed DH, you know, who's it going to be? LeCastro, Tommy Pham playing the offense, bring Marte in or Canada to the DH. It's not exciting against against lefties. So um, I would love like to see one of the young guys get in there and get a shot to start the year, especially after a pretty strong spring. But I expect at least one of them to be up within four to six weeks of the season starting and maybe even earlier some, some guys are really struggling or injuries pop up. So that's what's missing to me. Give those guys a chance. Let's see what they have. And then again, come all-star break time, come trade deadline time, what's the team looking like? What are the, where are the holes? But those guys kind of fit the holes of the team, both defensively and offensively. So I'd like to see them come up sooner than later. And I think we will. I don't think Tim Castro is going to be taking hold of the DH spot or uh, anything like that you know, too early in the season. So uh, I think we'll see them up soon enough. You know, one thing we wanted to talk about, Jordan, on this podcast is um, is – uh, uh, base stealing because of the larger bases, because of the shift, because of the new rules. Do you think this plays in, into the Mets' hands, and, and how much more base stealing do you think we'll see? I think we'll see more. Um, it's not just the bigger bases, but the pickoffs. You know, the, there's less. You're not allowed to do as many pickoffs as you used to be able to. Great point. Um, I mean, Ma- Ma- Marte is the only stolen base threat. Marte and Lindor, the only stolen base threats on the everyday roster. I think we'll see them steal more now. Marte. I hesitate to have him steal more because he's kind of injury prone. The more he steals, the more, you know, the body gets beat up over, over time. But he does add a threat there with his speed. I'd like to see Nimmo steal more. You know, he's fast enough to do it. And I don't know if it's same with, I just said, Marte trying to preserve his body from a durability standpoint. He's playing center field now. It's more taxing on the body. Um, he had the big contract coming out of that. You know, he was a free agent last year, so maybe he was trying to uh, make sure he stayed healthy for the entire year. But I'd like to see him steal the base, steal base a little bit more. Past that, uh, there's not a ton of upside on the, on the bases for them. You know, McNeil, who I love, is not the fastest guy. Alonzo's not the fastest guy. You'll see these guys steal them when it's, you know, for three two. They have a good read or the situation calls for it. But I think if they have three guys above 10 steals this year, that, that's a win. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that impacts. So I'd like to see Mark take it up and, and Lindor up in the 2025 range for steals. That, that'd be great. So as you look at this Mets team, What's the, you know, like now zooming back once again to the big video board, what's your overall thought on them? I think the Alonzo's going to have a monster year. Um, I think he seems to be becoming a really complete hitter uh, at the plate. And, I, and just some of the things I heard about him in his offseason and how he like really focused on, on certain pitches and not chasing the breaking ball, which obviously is a problem, has been a problem for him historically. I think he's going to have an MVP caliber season, and I bet on that uh, in Vegas that the, for him to, to, to win the MVP. So um, I, I, I could see that happening. Um, I think Lindor is going to continue to have 
might have a, a peak Lindor season. I think he's really entering his prime. I think he's really comfortable on the team. Um, so I think the offense is going to be quite good. I think that that the bullpen is definitely going to cost us a couple of games, especially first half of the year. I think the rotation will have some ups and downs with um, you know some injuries. They're a little bit older, but at the end of the day, they're going to be consistent. My concern is how stacked the NL East is. The Braves and the Phillies are really good. You know, the Phillies are missing Bryce Harper to start the year, but they have Trey Turner now. Um, sure. the, Braves are, the, the Braves are always a threat. They're always well-run. they got a ton of great talent on that team. They are able to survive in a division last year without Acuna for a lot of the season and, and with them struggling um, for, for a lot of it as well. It was one of the best players in baseball, and they, they still survived. And the Marlins have a great pitching staff there. I've seen people saying that they can have a top three pitching staff this year. So even if they aren't maybe a playoff contender or a World Series contender, they have, they're going to be dangerous out there. They're going to be hard to score against. So, and the Nationals are one of the worst teams in baseball, so we don't have to worry about them. But um, I'm worried about the division. I'm confident that this is a playoff team. I'm confident if we get in the playoffs, we can do some damage. Uh, but that division is tough. That division is really tough. And every every blood save is going to matter come, come end of the season. So, um that, that's definitely a big element. I, I'm confident to say we're making the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna be a threat out there, uh, but I'm not ready to say we're definitely winning the, the division or anything like that. But feel like we have a good shot uh, making the playoffs and making some noise in playoff time. Jordan Brickman with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, I I want to ask about the Padres just because of how many pieces the Padres have. Um, do you feel like they're the team to beat in the NL, or is it still Atlanta? Or well, Phillies. I mean, Phillies won the NL, the NL pennant last year, so it could could be the Phillies as well. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, for San Diego, let, let's let's see it. I mean, they obviously they made it to the to the uh, championship series last year. They obviously they took the Mets out. Um, they they look great against the Mets. They're ready for the moment. They didn't even have Tatis. They added Bogarts. Uh, that lineup is 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 quite strong. Um, but to, to me, the, the panic goes to the NL East. It's, it's the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies. Whoever can win that is, is the team that, that, that wins the pennant. You know, the Dodgers are still a well-run organization. It seems like they're kind of taking a step back this year with some of their pieces. They got some injuries in the rotation. It seems like they're not going to be the same powerhouse that they are, especially San Diego in that division now. But um, to me, it's going to go to the NL East. Whoever can win that uh, is, going to, is, is going to be the pennant winner. That's where things like Rice Hoskins, um, you know, for the Phillies being out for the year, you know, becomes a factor and something that yep. one injury can change everything, um, you know, kind of deal. Um, really quickly, who wins the World Series? Who comes out of the AL and who wins the World Series? You know we're going with the Mets. Come on, we can't pick anyone else. <laughs> uh, I would say Mets over Astros is the easy pick, is like the obvious pick. Uh, right now, right now to make so. So I'll, th- I'll take Mets over Astros. Right. Verlander, Verlander winning Game Seven, getting getting revenge against his old team. <laughs> there you go. Um, I I I still yeah, the Yankees did stuff, but I I still don't think the Yankees did enough, and that's that's something where trade deadline time could be very interesting to see what. And their, their rotation is hurt too yeah. with, uh, with the Yankees right now, which like I said, spring training is a big time for the rotation, the starters to get healthy and build themselves up. Otherwise, they can rush. Uh, you always hear guys all the time. I miss spring training. I was catching up all year. Uh, that's a big that's a big time where they got they got to grade for the season. What's the plight of our Knicks? <laughs> hey, we 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 won our last game. Um, I, you know they have no more back-to-backs. The rest of the way, they're they're 
you know, you win tonight against the Heat, it's all it all but secures a playoff spot and really the fifth seed is basically very close to locked up. Um, and hopefully and for the for the first time that I can remember we had actual legitimate garbage time minutes against the Rockets. Earlier this week, Joe Strandall did not play the fourth quarter. Yeah. Quickly came back in, but that's because he wanted to get forty. Um, you know, that's uh, maybe maybe we'll start to see that a little bit more as things start to get clinched and the team can rest a little bit. You know, Bruss has been banged up. I think he's returning tonight um, against against the Heat in this, this pivotal pivotal game. And then they should have a week off. The, the postseason starts August uh, April fifteenth. Season ends for them, I believe, April 9th. We'll have a full week off. To rest, recover, get your legs ready, um, and then and then they should be they should be good to go. Hopefully for that first round matchup against the Cavs, which will be a tough one. But um, I think it's just you know some tired legs. They it's a, they're allowed to struggle for a couple days. No big deal. They've been consistent all year. Uh, big game tonight. I like to see them kind of bury bury the Heat, who have been blown out two straight games, and including last night got blown out kind of back to back. So big game tonight. I like to see a win there, and then then kind of rest on their laurels for another week or so before the postseason starts. Anything else I'm missing here before we shut this thing down? Um, I know we talked a bit about uh, just two things. WBC, I don't blame the WBC. Fred Diaz's injury was a non-baseball injury. He was just jumping up and down. I understand that he wouldn't be jumping up and down if it wasn't WBC, but it wasn't like he was pitching any Toros Rotator Cup. I don't blame WBC. WBC is awesome. The game should just be not at 10 p.m. Eastern for America. Um, and I, I know just for a sleeper, for NL this year, a team I like as a sleeper is the Cubs. I think their rotation is kind of is kind of sneaky, sneaky good. Um, they they added Dansby Swanson. They've been slowly adding some pieces kind of under the radar. I think the NL Central, you know, Cardinals are really really strong, but I think they could they can get some ground there in the NL Central. So Cubs are a team that I like uh, in the NL to, to hit the over for their wins this year. And is there any chance, any chance that? The UFC, what's the next one? 287, 288, 280? 287 is next. Yes. Uh, will not have Tom Brady uh, c- c- coming by. I feel like he's been at every major sporting event recently. Well, it's in Miami, and that's where Tom Brady lives, so it's yeah. definitely possible that, uh, that he'll be there. It's a big one, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was there. Jordan Brickman, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Take care.